0: Let us pray. Here we are, God. Your people are listening. We are ready. Guide us in your way, we pray this day. Amen. it is always a good idea to pray. When in doubt, pray. But we don't always know how to pray. Sometimes we get lost in the details in our minds, or the issue at hand feels so nuanced, or we've just been knocked flat, or have our back against the wall, and we get stuck, we're not even sure about what the intention is or the desired outcome. What do I pray for in this situation? The writer Anne Lamott suggests that it comes down to three elemental, three simple prayers. Help, thanks, and wow, usually with great emphasis, help and thank you, thank you, thank you, and wow. Often that covers the bases, but not all the time. So I'd like to share with you today an equally simple approach to prayer that you may find valuable, and I wanna do that by telling a story. Some years ago, a woman I knew had been suffering with an illness for many years, and various treatments helped, but only to a point, and the treatments themselves were taxing. This woman had a strong will and a remarkable capacity to frame even the most trying of times in a positive light, finding joy in unlikely moments. But it had been a long haul, and when the doctor proposed yet another round of treatment requiring heroic effort on her part, she decided that it was enough or at least some part of her decided that it was enough. I'm sure she'd been weighing this in her heart and mind for some time before she invited me into her considerations, but invite me she did, to come to the hospital on a day when her husband would be there, and so to their adult children, a family gathering And it was an unusually warm day in the middle of winter, so we sat outside and basked in the sun. And she shared with us what was on her heart. I don't remember all of it, and I don't know that I've got the sequence right, but I believe it included, I am tired. I have been trying. The doctors have been trying. I don't know what to do. I want to do what is good. I want to do what is right. I don't know what God wants me to do. I love you. I love each of you. I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to leave you. And I have had a good and a full life. And I don't want any further treatment. And the time has come. And I am ready." And as she spoke these words, her husband and children came close, offering their hugs and their tears and support. Her intention seemed clear. But she was looking for something more. She wasn't resolved. Did she want permission or blessing? I'm not sure what to pray for, she said, or how to pray. And in that holy moment, I realized that every word she'd already spoken was her prayer. We simply speak it to God. So I led us in her prayer, recounting her words the best I could, turning each sentence into intercession thus, I am tired, God. I have been trying, God. The doctors have been trying, God. God, I want to do what is good and what is right. I love my children, God. God, I have had a good and full life, and the time is come, God, and I am ready. Amen. And she was ready, and her family was ready, and God was ready, and she is among the saints in light. And I've learned that especially when I don't quite know what to pray or how, that this not knowing is my prayer. Along the way, someone taught me to pray, God, how would you have me pray for this person? How would you have me pray in this situation? When I'm at a loss, I try to remember, to remember God because God is here and remembers me and remembers us, just take our words and add God. I share this story with you because I received this experience as a gift and I want you to have it too. And I share this story because even when not faced with decisions of life and death, I find that I can get knocked off center and lose my bearings and get all tangled up and act in ways that hurt the ones I love, that hurt me. And all the ups and downs of these recent months seem to knock us off center more often than before. We all get knocked off center. The question is is how to regain our footing, regain our place, and when I speak, of being centered, I mean most importantly, of experiencing ourselves as beloved, as loved by God, as lovable, as love worthy, and to trust in that love and to rest in that love and act from that love and being beloved, then connected as part of the whole with one another and all the saints, such that when other voices from within or without lead us astray or diminish or demean our selfhood as a child of God, that we can take a deep breath and center ourselves and take the next step back into the fray. For we're each and all and always beloved of God, but on the days we lose sight of that, It is, I believe, the daily practices that help us regain that sight and can be literal life savers. The practice of prayer, even a simple prayer when we arise each day or before we sleep, hi God, it's me. Show me the way today. Thank you, God, today for this, for that, for her, for them the practice of generosity and compassion to give of ourselves and care for another and care for the world. There are other daily practices of of creativity, of joy and creation, of reading God's holy word. On this feast, of all saints, our collect, our gathering prayer affirms, Almighty God, you have knit together your elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of your Son, Christ our Lord. In the book of Revelation, this mystical body is spoken of as a great cloud of witnesses. In the practice of prayer, we see ourselves within this company, this magnificent, motley throng. I live my life differently as a result of believing that all who have gone before me are part of that mystical body, as are those yet unborn, and that I too one day shall join with them or perhaps even have a foot in that camp, not by dint of my good deeds, but thanks to God's good grace and mercy. Now we're given two stories today. The church commends the passage from Isaiah, that that be read three times on three occasions. This Feast of All Saints, and on Easter morning, and as one of the readings, the celebration of our life at a funeral. Isaiah spoke these words of promise into a dark time for the Hebrew people, that despite all evidence to the contrary, God will do three things. God will prepare a great feast of well-aged wines and rich food filled with marrow, that God will remove the shroud of darkness, doubt, and death that covers us and all the world, and that God will wipe away every tear. Receive that word of God's intimate love spoken by Isaiah for your heart and mine. And coupled with this is the story of Lazarus, brother of Martha and Mary, whom Jesus raised from the dead. And if we take this story at its most elemental form, at face value, and set aside the questions of how did this happen, and why, and for whom, and to what end, we're left with a simple affirmation, this is what Jesus did, and this is what Jesus does. That with Jesus, those captive are released, the blind regain their sight, the lame walk, those who mourn are comforted, and the dead are given new life. And if this is what Jesus does, and this is who Jesus is, if for them, so perchance for us. And if for us, how then shall we live?" Wrote Samuel Taylor Coleridge, if a man could pass through paradise in a dream and have a flower presented to him as a pledge that his soul had really been there, and if he found that flower in his hand when he awoke, ah, aye, and what then? Let us pray. Here we are, God. Your people are listening. We are ready. Give us new life. Guide us in your way, we pray this day. Amen.